Hello and welcome to the Safe Food Nutrition Podcast. I'm Dr. Aileen McGloin, Director of Marketing and Communications at Safe Food, the all-island agency promoting food safety and healthy eating. On this podcast, we talk about nutrition, issues like obesity, food poverty, sustainability, and health in the media. Today, we look at the link between COVID-19 and obesity and discuss the evidence that obesity increases the risk of poorer health outcomes from COVID-19. We look at what this means for patients living with obesity and question whether obesity has risen on the political agenda as a result. I'm delighted to be joined by Professor Donal O'Shea, consultant endocrinologist based in St. Vincent's University Hospital and St. Column Kills Hospital. Donal works with the HSE Healthy Eating Active Living Policy in the implementation of early interventions and treatments for overweight and obesity, and that's across primary care and acute services for both children and adults. I'm also joined by Professor Corinna Hawkes, Director for the Centre of Food Policy at City University of London. Corinna is a member of Public Health England's Obesity Reduction and Formulation Reference Group and the Childhood Obesity Trailblazer Program Steering Group. She's also an advisor to the Food Foundation, which advocates for a sustainable food system that delivers health and well-being for all. Welcome, everybody. Uh, hi, Aileen. Delighted to be here. Hello, Aileen. It's great to be here. You're very welcome. It's great to have you here to chat to us today. Uh, Donal, if I could just come to you initially, what evidence is there to suggest that there's a link between COVID-19 and obesity? Uh, well, uh, thanks for ha- having me, really, and, and for discussing uh, what has become, I think, a really important space uh, in our understanding of COVID-19 and our understanding of just the effects of obesity. So at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, there was a kind of an indication that there was a link to poor outcome and people who had diabetes or multiple comorbidities. And the initial hint that there was a strong link with uh, obesity uh, came from Wuhan, where the pandemic originated. Um, But uh, it was really only when it hit Europe uh, that the strength of the link became apparent. And it became apparent, uh, you know, in people who were looking at even kind of the general public looking at photographs of people who died and you could clearly see the phenotype uh, in a lot of the photographs uh, was of people living with uh, overweight or obesity and in some cases severe obesity uh, and initially the thought was well it's just because there is associated diabetes associated heart disease and then uh, really there was a study came out that it was a meta-analysis of 75 studies that showed uh, that obesity itself uh, was uh, associated with an increased likelihood of contracting uh, COVID-19, more likely to go to hospital with it, uh, much more likely to go to ICU with it and require supplemental oxygen. uh, And then finally, uh, more likely to die. Uh, And when you control for all the comorbidities, Uh, obesity uh, was an independent uh, and one of the strongest independent uh, risk factors uh, for uh, a poor outcome uh, with COVID-19. So it's clear uh, and um, it's no longer controversial. It was controversial at the outset. 
Absolutely. And beyond the disease severity itself, has the pandemic also impacted on people living with obesity in other ways? So, for example, from an anxiety or mental health perspective or in their experience of weight bias, dietary behaviour, physical activity, other aspects of, of the disease? I, I, uh, certainly. I mean, when the initial association with COVID-19 and poor outcome and obesity was identified, uh, there was a massive almost surge in fat shaming uh, and a certain the patients attending our service really felt uh, this uh, very personally uh, you know because COVID-19 is like nothing we've ever experienced uh, as, as a population but at a personal level uh, to be identified um, you know the other risk factors are, are hidden um, in many ways they're not visible and but obesity and people living with obesity experience enormous stigma and this just added to it and their sense of shame uh, etc uh, was increased um, which is unfortunately more of the same for people who are living with obesity and it's incredibly unfortunate and did you find then that that maybe in turn impacted on the treatment or management of obesity, or were there other effects on treatment and management in general? Yeah, I, what, what the, the lockdown did and, and kind of having to change behavior uh, because of COVID-19, uh, what that did to our patients uh, was actually split them in two. So 50% of our patients found the lockdown helped them address their lifestyle behaviors, uh, allowed them to walk more, allowed them to the time to cook and prepare meals. Uh, and 50% uh, found the opposite. The stress uh, they turned towards more uh, comfort food, found motivating themselves to get active more difficult. Uh, so it was a kind of a 50-50, a uh, you know, split in the patients attending our service. Now, they're individuals living with extreme obesity. I think uh, the other issue that raised its head when it, it came to discussing the issue of obesity and, and COVID-19 was uh, the issue of vaccination and would individuals living with obesity respond to the vaccine in the same way? Because there's evidence from other viral illnesses that that isn't the case. The good news is that from the studies published so far, uh, people with obesity are responding as well as people without obesity. And, and that's very positive. And the other thing I think is this kind of long post-COVID syndrome and this tendency to represent with a pulmonary embolus or a pericarditis uh, six, eight weeks down the line. Uh, we have yet to look in our cohort as to whether uh, living with obesity is associated with that long COVID um, or that sting in the tail that, that we're, we're seeing with COVID. And moving this to policy level, Donal, what are the current challenges faced in addressing obesity at a policy level in Ireland? Uh, um, COVID is the greatest disruptor uh, that I have seen uh, in kind of 25 years living or in, uh, in the Irish healthcare system. I think COVID-19 will be responsible for an acceleration of the all the policies in relation to uh, preventing obesity in children, managing obesity in children, and the same in adults. And 
we're, we're already seeing that I, I've got to sit uh, with the uh, kind of key people more readily in, in kind of processing the estimates for next year's spending on obesity in the last three months than in, in the years leading up to it. And there is an appetite now uh, for an end-to-end uh, childhood obesity strategy uh, and actively managing uh, overweight and obesity in adults that was never there before. It's in the HSE corporate plan for the next uh, few years. And it's it, it, it got an advanced position. It had kind of weaseled its way into the corporate plan. Uh, and I thought with COVID-19, it's going to disappear. And it like uh, its time has not come. But actually, the opposite has appears to have happened. Uh, I suppose time will tell. But I'm uh, very optimistic that COVID-19 is going to be that, uh, if you like, unexpected lever for delivering uh, policy change for uh, the obesogenic environment and for individuals who are living with obesity. And Corinna, I'm going to bring you in here because there's been a, a, quite a lot of progress in the UK on this issue. Can you shed some light for us and for our audiences on the UK's approach to tackling obesity during the COVID-19 pandemic? Sure, yes, it's uh, wonderful to be here. Thanks so much for inviting me to be part of this conversation. In the UK, obesity has been taken a lot more seriously than it had been previously. Uh, obesity is often, policy in obesity is often a very political area and measures which are associated with, um, uh, how, how can I say, um, perhaps imposing or intervening in various ways are not um, traditionally associated with uh, the political stripe of our, our current uh, leadership. And so it was an interesting uh, development that uh, because of the relationship between COVID and, and obesity has already been set out, that uh, the, our, our current government started to take obesity, I mean, the politicians started to take obesity much more seriously. Uh, there has been um, a long-standing effort in this country and by the civil servants in the Department of Health and Social Care to deliver action on obesity. And suddenly they found their, their work and their own engagement being taken much more seriously by politicians. And in July 2020, an obesity strategy, a revised obesity strategy was, was released by the government. And can I ask, has Prime Minister Johnson's own experience with the virus um, influenced this change? Yes, it has been the major reason for the change. Uh, obviously, I haven't spoken to him personally, um, but there is absolutely no question, uh, and, and this has been stated, uh, that his own, um, he, he believes that the fact that he had COVID much more seriously than others uh, in, a, in a similar position, uh, he believed that uh, when he was told by his doctors that this could be because of his own weight status. Um, and therefore, he uh, kind of underwent a conversion of not really believing that this was anything other than a personal issue to something that uh, he as a politician had a responsibility to address. And do you think that the new approach will have an impact on obesity and its associated outcomes? 
I think this strategy that was released and the new policies that will be enacted as a result of that will do some good. They, they will have positive um, impacts. There's going to be calorie labeling on um, out of home. Uh, there's a new campaign that's going on at the moment uh, through our broadcast channels and, and beyond. There's going to be some restrictions on online advertising. There's going to be more weight management programs. Uh, there's going to be fewer promotions in supermarkets. All of these things will collectively have some positive impact. However, it's, it's still not going nearly far enough. So for me, the question is, will the increased capacity of government um, to deal with this issue, will that make a difference? Because that's another thing that has happened is that uh, during COVID, originally, the obesity team was stripped back. I mean, there was like one person left and everybody was taken out quite understandably for, for good reason. But even though COVID continues to be an extremely serious uh, problem in this, in this country at the moment, they are loading up uh, the obesity team in the, in the civil service. So if that is maintained and if there is more capacity and more focus and more political support, then I think gradually that could have the impact of really this issue being taken much more seriously and more sustainably, which will then build up to have impact. You wanted to come in there, Donal. You know, there was the, uh, at the time that Prime Minister Johnson got, um, contracted COVID, um, there, there was this uh, very kind of powerful image of, of uh, him, himself and I think uh, Whitty, the Chief Medical Officer and Hancock, the Minister for Health, all kind of tested positive within uh, a couple of days. And um, the Prime Minister was the only one who ended up in the you know, hospital. Uh, and it was a very strong visual representation of what the, um, you know, the, the papers were, were indicating. And he has been, uh, you know, a lot of times politicians don't take uh, a leadership uh, stance based on a personal experience like that um, and, and that has been, been a big hindrance for obesity uh, policy implementation over the years um, in a lot of healthcare systems. Uh, so it was a really positive thing for uh, to, to come out of it and, and it's lovely to see political leadership having an impact like that in a positive way at a, such a difficult time. Yeah, I mean, it was an interesting uh, a development in the sense that politicians can either say, well, I was speaking to my daughter the other day, I was speaking to a, a, a friend, and they said this, and therefore that's what I think. I mean, it, it becomes a very kind of non-evidence-based uh, situation of, of kind of just just putting, having, having a view that isn't particularly uh, well, well, well informed, or on the other hand, you have uh, politicians who experience and are affected by obesity who will say, well, don't look at me. You know, I'm I'm a bad example. I can't do anything about it. And it was neither of those things. So I think um, that was a it was an interesting development for sure. Um, COVID has obviously had a severe social and economic impact, you know, whether you're talking about mental health or poverty or unemployment. And do you feel, both of you, that... Um, current policies on obesity adequately address these issues, the social and economic issues surrounding obesity? Well, if I can come to that uh, first, I, I, the answer is absolutely not. 
Um, I have made this point to our uh, government and they don't disagree, but it's like they don't quite know what to do about it. But there is a complete disconnect between the, 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 we, the very clear data showing that obesity is disproportionately experienced by those um, living in situations of deprivation uh, and, um, and actually the, the policy response. So the policy response we tend to see comes from our Department of Health. That's great, they should be doing that. But the work that needs to be also done by other departments responsible um, for, um, for supporting people in, who experience poverty and deprivation, that it, there's a complete disconnect. And what happens as a result of that, and this has happened during COVID, is that there is one response to deal with food insecurity. So it means, okay, people who experience food insecurity, uh, their kids aren't getting access to food, um, they're missing meals, uh, they're experiencing even worse situations because of joblessness, loss of income, uh, working free jobs and not being able to serve your kids. All of these issues, which has led to this enormous campaign um, spearheaded by the footballer Marcus Rashford uh, here. And that is disconnected from the conversation going on about obesity. And I think that is a real problem because at the end of the day, healthy, good food for all is very important for making sure that food insecurity isn't a problem. And it's very important to ensure that obesity is not a problem. So I think there's a disconnect in government, but I also think there's a disconnect out and out of government on that yeah. too. And I, I think, you know, I've heard... Um discussions about the where the childhood obesity uh, strategy should be uh, kind of piloted in, in Ireland and they're uh, targeting um, areas of socioeconomic deprivation uh, to start in um, but the the people in those areas are saying you know I, I, we don't want uh, middle class uh, people coming in to tell us what to do right uh, you know we need to make change uh, from within and the environment needs to change above that uh, to support it. But it's the same, the, the socioeconomic uh, kind of distribution for childhood overweight and obesity uh, is a postcode distribution that's entirely predictable. It's very hard to design a solution that will kind of fix that um, a massive challenge. And if I could go back, Donald, to your description of the pandemic as kind of a, a, a trigger, was that the word you used, or a, a, a kind of an impetus for change, a disruptor? Yes, exactly. A disruptor, a disruptor. Um, can, can any of that be harnessed to address the issues you've discussed there, or, or other issues like how obesity is prevented or managed? Um, well, I, I, I mean, I think it has to be um, because um, I, I think everyone is accepting that, first of all, there's going to be a tail uh, longer than we anticipated in the COVID-19 um, situation. Uh, secondly, we're not sure is, is COVID-19 going to be like um, flu and an annual thing. Uh, this year, we did not have a flu season because of all the measures that were taken for COVID-19. And if we'd had a flu season plus COVID-19 in the last eight weeks in Ireland or in uh, Britain, oh, 
you know, that combination. Uh, and it would have been a tsunami as opposed to a wave um, that, that we're just about weathered uh, in, in, in um, Ireland. So I think we have to uh, use uh, the experience of the distribution of COVID-19 to say, uh, to redouble the efforts to address that socioeconomic um, kind of divide. And you have to put a long-term lens on. It's not gonna be a this year fix or a five-year time fix. If all went really well with the policy change, it would be a 15-year uh, turnaround. And governments find that time frame unappetizing. They, they, they need to show a, a change in the next term. Uh, but those short-term, um, they, they, you know, they're not built to last. And... You know, I suppose a, a blue skies question just to finish off the interviews with you both. Um, if you could change one thing in terms of policy now, what would that be? What would be the first thing, the most important thing that you think needs to happen? Well, it's a hard one to, to answer and you're probably expecting me to say that. And uh, I, I I would love it if if children could go back to school and... Uh, be in a situation where everything about their school day promoted um, positive feelings about food and physical activity and health. And I'd love to see, I'm not saying one thing, so I'm not answering your question, but I, I'd love, but I also would, I'm a strong advocate of restrictions, comprehensive restrictions on, on the marketing of, of unhealthy food to children. But in answer to your question, if there's one thing that I'd like to see differently, I would actually like to see the policy making process done differently and by going into communities that are disproportionately affected by obesity and who are continuing to be so and even worsened by COVID-19. As was mentioned earlier, there were some groups who've been affected um, much more detrimentally than, than others and actually talking to those communities about their experiences and from that identifying what will really work in those communities to address this problem. Donald, did you want to come in? Yeah, I mean, and just to add, and I know it was implicit in what Karina was saying about the physical activity and, and health uh, environment for children in school, I, I would name check uh, body image uh, in that uh, so that the positivity would be around uh, body image as well, because that's such um, a source of discontent in, in uh, that school going age group. Um, if we could move away from the body perfect uh, that, that is represented in all the magazines and the pop charts, uh, it would be just a positive. For me, the, the one thing that I'm going to say, uh, apart from enacting the entire obesity policy and action plan that the government have set out, but if there was one thing, uh, for me, it would be uh, treating uh, obesity as the disease it is. Uh, if you do that, uh, in every other disease we've uh, managed, uh, you, you start by treating the extreme end. So uh you you don't treat uh skin cancer uh, by telling somebody to put on sun cream and wear a hat 
uh, you treat skin cancer by treating the skin cancer. Uh, at the moment, we're still telling in Ireland people who are living with obesity to eat less and move more. That is not the treatment of obesity. And the minute we move to treating obesity as a disease, then uh, with medication and the surgery that will reverse their diabetes and save us money, uh, the minute you do that, then everything in the preventive space uh, will filter back from it. Uh, so your smoking cessation programs filter back from your uh, lung cancer treatment and heart bypass programs. Uh, uh, so for me, and I think we're within touching distance of getting uh, our uh, treatment of obesity, uh, if you like, brought up to uh, uh, just a European norm. That's all we want. At the moment, we're just not treating it uh, almost at all. Uh, and if that happens, then I think the filter back things will happen and the policy change ultimately will happen um, and, and we will be in a better place. Thank you. And thank you both so much for participating in this conversation this afternoon. Your insight has just been fascinating. Really appreciate your contribution. Thank you. Thank you very much. Great to be part of it. Thank you. Thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed the chat. Thank you. Well, I think we'll end it there. Thanks to our guests, Donal and Corinna, for sharing their knowledge and experience. And thanks to you for tuning in. Please do get in touch. Send us your questions or thoughts to info at safefood.net. And if you want to hear more from us, search Safe Food Podcasts wherever you get your podcasts. You can also join the conversation on Twitter by following at Safe Food Network and follow us on LinkedIn. Until next time then, goodbye and take care.